And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm happy to be back on mic. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting episode, I think, to say the least. Um, but you teased it at the end of our last main feed episode and on our Patreon episode, which subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the good bad what. Uh, it's only a dollar. Um, but uh, in honor of the new Evil Dead Rise, which I, I thought maybe when we were going to hop on mic that I was like, ah, maybe it's like too late. Like the moment's passed, right? Mm-hmm. With the new movie. Uh, but turns out, you know, you're listening to this on Friday, May 12th, but, uh, the day we're recording, it's actually on premium VOD right now Mm -hmm. to, to rent or purchase at home. So we are not too late. In fact, it is just beginning. So, uh, in honor of the new Evil Dead movie, which also, if you want to hear our thoughts on it, go subscribe to our Patreon because we talked about it last week. Uh, Mm -hmm. but you've chosen Cabin Bound Creature Features, so I want to give you the floor to talk a little bit about uh, the category, talk a little bit, uh, or introduce the picks, and we'll get right into it. Yeah, uh, it's no surprise, and it's no... um, I mean, people aren't strangers to Evil Dead ripoffs and what Evil Dead sort of caused in the low-budget horror community. Um, There was a slew of movies that were in the 80s, uh, mainly, that were people out at a cabin being attacked by something. Um, we've talked about several of them already on the show up until this point. Uh, so it seemed appropriate to talk about, you know, sort of the, the legacy of Evil Dead and, and what it did to movies. And the formula itself is is not a bad one, but you can see who would gravitate towards such a thing as people who don't have money. And so then they go to a location that they don't need to get permits or anything to shoot and then they they film their thing and so i think that's what we're going to end up talking about here with these three movies are they're all low budget even our good which is released by a major studio and done by a a named known um not really director but known in hollywood at the time uh guy very low budget by those standards um and I don't know what the budget was for the second movie. Uh, couldn't have been much. Five dollars uh, and, and an Arby's coupon. That's that's what it cost. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the budget for uh, the third movie. I'll need to look it up while we're getting there. But it, it, all that to say, whenever you're making a dirt cheap horror movie in the woods, th- there needs to be a lot of. Uh, a lot of love, a lot of effort, a lot of gumption, and a lot of talent that goes into making it a watchable movie. Because we've seen countless movies that are this formula, that are 
just complete dog shit. They're just dismissed out of hand. There's really nothing to them. And it's very obviously people just kind of fucking around hoping that they make a quick butt, uh, quick buck. And it comes across uh, when you see the movie and it's not enjoyable to watch. I can't remember who it was that said um, might have been Mark Hamill uh, who said, uh, uh, oh, shit, I'm going to fuck up this quote. Uh, but there was one. Uh, it may have been Bruce Campbell, actually. Um, a cheap, like basically cheap movies that don't have any like gumption behind them are hard to watch. And so, like, it, it's not. Fuck it. I need to abandon the entire thing because I cannot, for the life of me, remember the quote. But it used to be in my head, and now it's gone. Thanks, booze. Um, but all of that to say. Um, there are varying levels and degrees throughout these three picks of that talent and that gumption and no money. And so we'll see. Uh, there's a leg up in the first movie, which we'll get to. But um, I'll just introduce the picks as uh, the good is going to be Pumpkinhead from 1988, directed by the late, great Stan Winston. Um, the bad is Creature Cabin, a.k.a. Tarnation from 2017, directed by Daniel Armstrong. And the what is Frostbiter, Wrath of the Wendigo from 1995, directed by Tom Chaney. Um, I believe we'll just start with Pumpkinhead. Afraid raising the dead ain't within my power. Will it be all right? Should I be afraid? Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains hereabouts. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. And I want to throw it over to you first. I th- Pumpkinhead for you was even a more recent thing, right? Like you, you watched this in your adulthood. Yes, I did not watch it when I was younger. In fact, I think you got it for me for either a birthday or Christmas. And that judging. Yeah, and judging by my first letterboxed entry, because I've been keeping them pretty consistently since 2016, I'm going to guess birthday, because I first logged it about, like, a couple days before my birthday. So it might have been a gift that showed up early, and then I was like, oh, hey. Uh, It was also, like, a month and a half pre-having kids. So I was like, I actually had the time (laughs) to just be like, cool, movie showed up on my porch. I'm actually going to pop it yep, in and watch it right now. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I had not seen it prior to 2019 was the first time I watched mm. this movie. So four, just four years ago. And I, I would ask, what is your impression of the movie now having seen it twice? Did it change over time? Well, I think just based on the sheer subject matter and my life experience, it has definitely changed somewhat. I think, there, there are certain things about the movie that I found strong the first time and weak the first time that I probably still feel similarly even watching it the second time. But I think sure. there was like an extra layer too because, I mean, this movie does delve into some pretty dark subject matter, um, you know, especially like the, the loss of a child is really the centerpiece of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I, I can't imagine something more horrible. And, you know, I watched this. I thought it was that was like a bad like i thought that was like really sorrowful like a month and a half before my first kid was born but like now 
four years removed as from that. Dad, yeah, yeah, as a dad, a dad who's had that experience, I'm like, man, I could not even even imagine. And so um, I feel like that hit much stronger for me on this viewing just based on the sheer life experiences. Um, for sure. Yeah. But uh, it, it is interesting, though, because it's like uh, the, the, the theme of this episode, and we'll probably get into it as we discuss this movie further, is Cabin Bound Creature Features. Mm-hmm. And of the three movies, this is the rare one where, like, it actually becomes less interesting as the creature becomes introduced into the movie. Even though the yes. creature, because um, Stan Winston directed it, of course, like a, a master of VFX and makeup and, and just a pioneer, oversaw this movie, directed this movie. Of course, the creature looks great. Like, there's no question that the actual creature, when we see it in its entirety, is incredible. But, like, the movie itself, when it sort of takes a back seat to the monster sort of wreaking havoc... That's when I became, unfortunately, like less interested in in the mm-hmm. movie. But I feel the first half of this movie is really, really strong. There's an atmosphere to this movie that I feels like impenetrable. Um, you know, really gorgeous, like uh, orange sort of daylight, like cinematography mm-hmm. of like it, it. It's clearly like a very fall feeling. There's like thick smoke and like aura coming off. Of just like, like God the night. rays coming yeah, through the woods absolute, and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's and it's like and it's also like a, a grim fairy tale. Like the movie's told it's yes. like a folklore, um, which I think is interesting because like this the titular pumpkin head is like something where like the like the other family, the kids are like teasing about like, well, Pumpkinhead's gonna get you. Like he he's this thing that like <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, it's been passed down from generation to generation, but like some people don't know like it's just a thing. But, you know, it actually does exist in the world of this movie. So there's a lot of interesting stuff. And, again, I'm sure we'll dive into some of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like the movie did hold up better on a second watch. Uh, both the combination of life experiences and just, like, appreciating, really appreciating the things that the movie does very well. And, of course, we sure. remiss, I'm sure it will come up, Lance Henriksen, the star of this movie, the the uh, invaluable Lance Hendrickson brings, you know, mm-hmm. something to every movie and the guy, which is, you know, the guy's has like 300 film credits or something to his name. <laughs> like he, he always brings it no matter what the role, big or small. He always, he always brings it. Well, especially in this movie, because I would say that one of the weaker parts of the movie is the cast of, uh, swish swish quote unquote teenagers the 30 year old um, teenagers the, yeah, the yeah, thing we've talked about adult. a lot on this show because we love horror movies <laughs> and uh slasher movies we've talked about a lot where it's just like yep okay that's 30 year old playing a 19 year old but uh, and they're all pretty terrible they're um, bad it's not a good cast uh and sorry i don't want to speak over no, you i'm so sorry um but like I, I think that 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 is a big Achilles heel of the movie, not just because they're not good, um, mm. you know, and it's like and it sucks, like right, you don't want to like shit on like the cast. It's like the last people you want to bl- blame, but they they just they just don't quite pull it. But I think the problem is less that they're bad and more that they can't pull off what's asked of them because what's asked of them is a lot compared to like a typical slasher movie. Like if this was things like, you know, we've sung our praises for things like death screams, right. Or like Mm -hmm. Memorial Valley massacre, you know, just things that like objectively are worse movies than Pumpkinhead, like (laughs) unquestionably. Um, 
But because the movie's going for much more and it has this sort of like underpinning of sorrow and it's really sort of dramatic and it's more uh, harrowing than like a typical slasher movie. Because like when the monster attacks, like, yes, of course, the monster looks great and the gore is really great. But like there's supposed to be like a, a sort of like you're supposed to feel it right. Like mm-hmm. and I think the intention is there, which, you know, to go to sort of tie back into your thesis of this whole thing where like there's there's really gumption to it and like everybody's giving their all even if the cast can't quite deliver they're they're going for it they're trying um but more is asked from them versus if this was a a death screams or the mutilator or something of that ilk where like if everything was sort of like this sort of flat line then it like probably the acting would have passed like i don't think it's worse than a lot of those movies but this would have been a friday the 13th this would have been a serviceable cast oh 100 percent. yeah more than serviceable i would say it's just that it's 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 the level of which they are asked to deliver and they just Mm. can't quite they're delivering at a normal slasher movie level but they're asked to be given a little more and they just can't quite get there and that's not their fault right it's but it's it's worth noting that it's like it's not that they're bad it's just they're asked more of a typical movie like this well, and the, the script is fairly disjointed, which yes. it should be mentioned that the movie is it, – it's 86 minutes long. So it, it's it's very, very short, and this is one of the few instances when watching the movie it could have used probably an extra 20 minutes to flesh out those characters because the, the characters of the teens, they're, they're non-characters, much like you'd find in a run-of-the-mill uh, Friday the 13th. But that becomes a problem when they're being juxtaposed with scenes of Lance Henriksen, who is a great actor – in like total fucking anguish and disbelief and the shit that he's trying to do. I mean, even that stuff is edited together in a very, very rushed way mm-hmm. of him going from A, B, C, D. All of it could just use more time to breathe. And you you make a very good point that if we were able to see a bit more of these teen characters struggling with where they find themselves and, and the, the situation that they're in, then when the bodies start hitting the floor, there's a bit more weight to it. There, there's a bit more, we can understand why Lance Hendrickson now has his hesitance. And really, I, I guess we should maybe just get into like the synopsis of the movie, not really beat around the bush for, we probably should have done that up top, but um, for anybody who hasn't seen Pumpkinhead, uh, Pumpkinhead, is about uh, 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 Ed Harley, who's played by Lance Henriksen, uh, lives in this weird backwoods small town. Uh, it, he runs a, a roadside uh, produce market, uh, just kind of a roadside stop where he sells gasoline and whatnot. And along come these uh, kids, a.k.a. fully grown adults, uh, who are on their way out to a, a cabin getaway with their motorcycles. Well, they get out on the, the side of the road on their motorbikes. One of them is a hothead who's been drinking. And while riding the bikes around, he accidentally strikes and kills Lance Hendrickson's son, his young, young boy. Yeah. Um, He's like which is six devastating. or something. He's a very yeah. young kid. Yeah. Um, and Lance Hendrickson... Um, he knows uh, because of a flashback that we see in the cold open of the movie as a young child, he's heard the story of this creature called Pumpkinhead. Um, and the creature is sort of uh, overseen by this witch who lives out in the swamp uh, that he has to go see and uh, provide like a blood sacrifice to this witch in order to raise Pumpkinhead, which will seek vengeance against the people who had wronged him and killed his son. 
Um, that's more or less the synopsis. Did I overlook something? It looks like you have something to say. No, I, I don't have anything to say. You pretty oh, much okay. you pretty much hit the nail on the head. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's somewhere like you said. It's somewhere in I assume the American South. I don't think I can't recall if a title card said like where it was. It's just no, the, and I didn't see like road signs or anything. No, just the cadence. What state it was. Yeah, yeah, just the cadence that people are like. You, you sort of make that assumption, but yeah, it's like a. I, I, I've probably made this joke before, but it's like because I used to go hunting in Eastern Oregon. Like this is like they they're in like Kimberly, Oregon, where like it's mm-hmm. just like one like corner store, and mm-hmm. and then you just pass through, and that's it. Like it's exactly that kind of thing where it's like they own a little general store. People pass by on whatever road they're on, they stop by, and that's that's pretty much pretty much it well and it's totally one of those towns where like if you're if you're one of the townsfolk you have like a, a account at the store mm-hmm. so you can come in and pick up a bunch of shit and like just put it on my account and i'll pay back whatever i have at the end of the month yep. sort of deal it's like pottersville you're not gonna find an, the famous yeah, yeah, pottersville, yeah, like pottersville. <laughs> probably coming exactly. soon to a good bad what near you unfortunately oh, no. i'm sorry oh no i'm sorry it has um, to happen it just has to <laughs> but one so the one of the characters also in the movie is played by uh, George Flower, Buck Flower. George Buck Flower. I was so um, stoked to see him. But yes. I, I always love seeing George Flower. <laughs> Crazy drunk drivers. Um, <laughs> but he, so uh, Lance Hendrickson, he goes to talk to George Flower to be like, hey, you know, I need the help of that witch. And George Flower is like, I am not going to help you find her, get the hell out of here um, sort of deal. And George Flower's son is like, well, I've heard of where this witch is and I'm going to I can lead you to her. And this is you're absolutely right that the first part of this movie, this first half of this movie is so solid because like the scenes of them driving on these like darkened roads with the God rays cutting through the dirt. And you really sort of get a sense that. I mean, not only is it indiscernible, really, kind of where they are, like it's probably somewhere in California where they filmed this, but like. I can't really tell, and that swampy area it is not. I can't really place it. It's kind of like a, like a Texarkana, like really dense woods and and stuff. And the when he's going out there and and and, and finding this witch hut that's on the edge of the swamp, and it's all set dressed and lit like really well. Like you're right that it's very much like a grim fairy tale, and the way that it's all playing out, and like you kind of just let yourself absorb all of this fantasy world that they've built up and again stan winston knows how to make a movie look good i mean at this point in his career he'd already partnered with james cameron on uh, the terminator and on aliens um he had done some second unit directing uh but he wanted to get into directing a feature which is when he stumbled across this um this script uh the studio reached out to him for him to do the the um effects for Pumpkinhead, and he liked the script so much that he was like okay i'll do it but i also want to direct um because of that they actually cut the budget for the movie because he wasn't a proven uh director quite yet uh but he still used everything that he could to make Pumpkinhead look incredible um but I, I think it's one of those things where you'll see um, there's like a lack of coverage uh, in some of the scenes. Uh, yeah. There's really doing like minimal camera setups in some of these scenes where the, like the mise-en-scene looks amazing in this witch hut. But there's like shot reverse shot for the most part. Um, there's 
one part there's motion to the camera uh, but there's really not a lot of options for the editor to cut to so you're seeing a lot of samey shots of this room and and it's one of those things that's kind of like I would have liked to have seen Stan maybe get another movie under his belt before trying this one because the the world is really cool. I'm really intrigued. I'm dragged into it. And it looks really good, but it's not being photographed in the best way at all times, which is a shame. Yeah, no, definitely. You you can tell that um, it's like a weird mixture, right? Where it's like Stan Winston had never directed an actual movie, but because of his uh, experience doing effects, his experience doing second unit like the guy clearly knows like what needs to happen but it is very meat and potatoes for lack of a better term it's yep. like they get the the bare minimum coverage that they need to do and then they they move forward from there and you know i just i do want to build off what you said of like the first half being so solid it, it, it really is sort of a tale of two halves not just from the fact that the creature gets introduced but i feel like the first half of this movie is paced really well like we get that brilliant mm-hmm cold open that sort of really sets the tone of the movie where it's like young lance henriksen's character sees this happening and this like horror of like somebody from their village clearly conjured pumpkin head and his family which seemingly pretty religious like um mm. we're basically like no we can't let him in and this is why because he's pretty much sent like, like telling him like i'm armed so, like get out of here or stuff like it's, yeah the stakes are high apparently they're super high and then it, you know, then it, you know, fades into present day. Like Lance Henriksen is just him and his young son who live together, and it sort of introduces their relationship. And um, even though the thirty-year-old teenagers, as we said, are kind of stock, but at least sets mm-hmm. them up. And then it sets up like George Buck Flowers' family and their kids. And that's when you learn about Pumpkinhead. And it's like everything's mm-hmm. really methodical and everything's really well paced. And then when the creature gets into it, it's like everything becomes a bit chaotic. Like, yes, of course, like we've said, the creature kills are really good. Um, But then it's like it relies heavily on the sort of binding thread of these, which is cabin bound creature features, uh, because the 30 year old teenagers are staying in a cabin in the woods, which apparently is the same cabin. It's the Jarvis cabin from Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Is it really? Uh, it is really. Yep. I didn't even notice that. Yep. Wow. I, I looked. I looked that up, and I was like, "This feels familiar." Like I, I couldn't huh. place the exact thing, but I'm like, I, I was like, I know sets are reused, right? I'm like, this has to be something I've seen prior, and sure enough, it is the front of the Jarvis uh, uh, <laughs> house from. I'm gonna have to the go final back chapter. and watch it. Um, but you know, but like once it gets to the creature attacking them. Like we've said, it's like, I don't, I was like, I don't care about these characters as much as we should. Like they, they do their best to set them up, right? You have the hot headed one, like you said, who's been drinking, who has a criminal record, who that's why they sort of flee after the incident because he's like, I'm going to fry for this because I've been drinking. Uh, and I already have like a, a, yeah. a record. He's on probation. He's on probation. Exactly. Which yeah. did you say? And then his brother's sort of more even headed, but tries to like calm him down. And then like two of the other people in the group were like, well, we're going to like, we, we got to do something about this because this is wrong. And then they lock him in a like pantry <laughs> at the cabin yeah. for like a long stretch of the movie. And so it's just that there, there's too many of them and it's, and it makes sense, right? Because it's like this creature has to attack somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what the horror fans are here for. So it has to happen. Right. And so they introduce a bunch of them, but it's just, they're unfortunately just not, that interesting and then when it has to sort of come down to like the final people who are in this conflict 
I'm not as interested in them. And I'm more interested in Lance Henriksen, who, you know, is feeling remorse for this uh, because right. he goes to this witch and he his intention initially is to try and resurrect his son. That's that's right. the initial intent. Yeah. And 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 the, the witch is basically like uh, resurrecting the dead is out of my realm of power. I can't do that. Um, but like, you know, but he seeks revenge over the people who caused this. And so um they have this um so they have that element um but it just unfortunately like it's a weird like push and pull like whenever they cut back to lance hendrickson and like because he is like psychologically connected to this beast and so whenever there's an attack he like feels it and then he feels even though he's genuinely upset because like what could be more upsetting than than losing your kid but he does feel this genuine remorse like this is also wrong on top of Mm this um but she's like you know it's too late you've already set it off and it's going to consume your soul either way like that yeah that's also another thing which is like you could just insinuate that because it's like we've seen movies. So it's like, that's how that works usually. Right. But like, that's not really set up well until it's sort of point blank delivered in dialogue. That, yeah. Uh, oh, it's going to come for your soul at the end. I was like, well, yeah, we, we know that like it's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> but because it's a movie thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like whenever you're messing around with black magic like that, you know, there, there's gotta be some, it's gonna go the other way. Yeah. Um, that's sort of a trope in, in of itself is that you don't get off scot-free if you're doing that but i mean also that's sort of a tale as old as time of you know if you seek revenge dig two graves sort of thing uh, like you're gonna ruin yourself in, in the the pursuit but it's interesting to me that the the whole portion of um uh, the pumpkin head being a revenge demon and it being uh, psychically linked to Lance Hendrickson and him feeling remorse and then turning and trying to go stop the creature he had created before it can kill all the teens. That's all Stan Winston's addition to the story. When he got the script, it was teens in a cabin getting attacked by a creature. So it's interesting to me that the part of the movie that is the most boring is the part of the movie that was there before Stan came in and tried to zhuzh it up a bit. That's um, depressing that he didn't really get to go on because this movie was not successful critically no. or commercially. It made like four and a half million off its three and a half million budget. Yes. It's become a cult cult movie yeah. since then, but um, which is a shame because like, you know, we're, 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 you know, we mentioned that like, yeah, there's some stuff with like lack of coverage and whatever first time director stuff, but it's like, yeah. again, that gumption, like that's in, in, impressive to me that what works about this movie is solely attributed to him and what he brought to it because it's like right. yeah you could see the scale it you could see the scale with an outline of like creature attacks kids in a cabin like we've seen this movie a million times before already at this point like um nothing new but the fact that it's this really artfully done really sorrowful like grim fairy tale as we're saying the fact that that's attributed all the stan winston what he added to the movie like means like we were we were really robbed of what he could have done behind the director's chair given another opportunity like could you could you imagine if he was like like came up in the age of like 
the way like Blumhouse makes movies where it's like five million dollars and you pretty much have like the lay of the land to do whatever you want to like oh man it's a horror movie it'll most likely make its money back he would have been a master of horror by by the by the time of his passing like 100 percent like oh absolutely because it's there the seeds are in this movie um no pun intended because pumpkin pumpkin seeds uh hey Uh... but uh there's a lot here and and i think it's a really like solid good pick like not even on the sliding scale of the movies that we're discussing here but like in general i think it's a really solid horror movie it's a great like halloween time horror movie just for the vibes that it gives off yeah If you want to nail that, like, October, like, chilly oh. sweater weather season. Yep. Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead's got that in spades. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, even the creature stuff, the creature stuff to me is, like, kind of disappointing. Like, the creature looks great and stuff, but, like, the kills, a lot of them are sort of off screen and feel rather tame. Yeah. Um, I feel like they could have been, especially by this time in 1988, maybe pumped up a little bit maybe you get a little bit more blood on screen there uh but pumpkin head still does have a couple of pretty good scares I, I i love the scene uh when the the uh punk asshole teen uh is walking into the kitchen and there's like strobe flashing in there and pumpkin head just kind of comes through the doorway really quickly yes and like a really loud sting like there, there's and it's like the first time that we've seen him up close and really well lit and it's just like it's one of those things when you are so adept at creature creation like stan winston was that you don't have to shoot your ugly rubber monster in the dark with vaseline on the frame to try and make it convincing yes you can have that thing in a close-up and it still looks fucking fantastic absolutely so that's just one like one of the things about pumpkin head that i'm always going to find charming is that it it falls short in several areas sure but the the parts that shine through boy do they shine and yeah. and it's always going to hold a special place in my heart because of that absolutely and i guess to to sort of tie it back around before getting into our next movie i should ask because you asked me if this was like mm-hmm. a more recent watch uh for me i didn't ask what is your history with this movie do you have a history like did you watch this when you were younger yeah oh you did okay it, it was on late night tv when i was young it, it, one of the things i used to do is my parents would send me to bed i'd wait until they went to bed and then i would get up and go watch tv until really really early in the morning and that's how i watched some movies i wasn't allowed to watch all, even though they were tv edits and Pumpkinhead was one of those movies and it scared the shit out of me i can, when i was like little little kid i can only imagine this was also uh you know i, I only watched snippets like like i have a hazy memory of it but um this seems like something that probably Joe Bob Briggs would have done on Monster Vision. I feel like back when it was on TNT. Oh, sure. Like, I'd have to go back and look at, like, the episodes, but I, I gotta imagine he did Pumpkinhead. Just given, like, I hadn't seen this movie until I was an adult, but I was aware of this movie's existence and aware that it was on cable, like, pretty mm. consistently. <laughs> Are you looking it up to see if it was on I'm, Monster I'm Vision? I'm looking to see if he ever did, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. And if it wasn't... I won't be surprised if it eventually shows up on a last drive-in. Um, it would have to. I don't. I don't have any res- results for Joe Bob Briggs' Pumpkinhead. Let me see Monster Vision Pumpkinhead. Wow, 
well, I guess if nothing else, this this newest no. this newest season of the Last Drive In has just started. So uh, uh, maybe, get on it, Joe Bob. Come on, Joe. I would, Bob. I would love to. I would love to see what he has to say about it. I would too. I mean, I love what he has to say about almost every movie that he talks about. <laughs> that's fair. Guy's super I mean, knowledgeable. Maybe that's why he has a platform to follow. <laughs> Guy's super knowledgeable and entertaining. Uh, on top of that, so. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Pumpkinhead before we? Uh, um, I mean, besides go watch it. No. Um, I, what did well? We watched it on our Blu-rays. I guess we could say what is Pumpkinhead like streaming on if you haven't seen it. Well, it's on um, Tubi. Um, so for free. So if you want to watch it, it's there. It's rental. God bless Tubi. Yeah, Pete Tubi really is the people's streaming service. Um, it's on Tubi. It's on. I don't know about all, but it's on pretty consistent, like rentable platforms. It's available on Blu-ray via Scream Factory. And I got to double check. I think it's getting a 4K remaster from Scream Factory. I think it's on. Oh. I think it's on their upcoming like stuff of that. They're they're upping on 4K. I'm pretty sure it's getting it, which like I, I like the movie. Don't love it. I think there's faults, but it's like it's so gorgeous. Like the cinematography is one of the highlights. Yeah. I might double dip for that 4K to be honest, because I gotta imagine it look incredible. Hold on, I just found an amazing picture that I have to share with you uh, from a bloody disgusting article talking about Pumpkinhead um, of Lance Hendrickson with the Pumpkinhead. Uh, oh, how do I get fucking chat? There it is. Uh, All right, chat. Of, uh, like a behind-the-scenes photo of him like, just like hanging out with the pumpkin head animatronic. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Oh, this is uh, one of those in defense of articles. Um, they used to do... I don't think they do these as much anymore um, because like horror is so like prevalent that like everything's yeah. got its fans. But man, that's dope. I love that picture. Lance Henderson. Isn't that great? What a, what a freaking boss, man. Like, uh, lo- <laughs> love that guy. Uh, there will be more Lance Henderson coming out of the podcast. I, I have. Oh, yeah. I have a uh, 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 teased slash maybe threatened uh, Savage Dawn many a times. <laughs> um, so it will happen. So um, looking forward to it. I, I will not say no to Lance Henderson. Heck yeah. Well, what I'm not looking forward to is our discussion of Creature Captain. <laughs> Are you going somewhere? Oh yeah, Bo and I. We're doing a dirty weekend. You should come with us. Maybe I will come. Besides, it's not exactly like a weekend away in a cabin in the woods is going to kill anyone, is it? It's definitely not as advertised. You know, it's said by those who believe such things that this painting is under a demon's curse i was trying will likely be mercifully short i i was trying to figure out what the segue was of like uh because because we were talking about the 4k of pumpkin head and how the cinematography of gorgeous and i was is gorgeous and i was gonna be like well what's not gorgeous um this is such a hard spot to be in too man because like you know to, to start to tie back in to what you know, the Bruce Campbell quote that you were trying to find at the beginning of the episode of like, like it's hard for us, right? Because you and I, we went to film school and we've made movies and shorts for no money. 
and making movies is hard, which is our mm-hmm. motto on the show at this point. Movies are hard. And so it's like, it gives me no joy to crap on a movie like Creature Cabin, a.k.a. Tarnation, because it's clearly they were made with no money. But it's mm-hmm. like, but it's like you gotta have something. Like, you gotta have right. something to make you go. Like, like... I feel like you and I are pretty forgiving because we understand the circumstances. So we could like point to like, Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. But to like have a genre movie, no budget, make it out to people. And like, I I don't want to insinuate here, but like for you and I to be like, there's nothing to like about this movie. Like that's a, that's kind of impressive in a bad way, but impressive nonetheless, I guess like it's weird, but, um, I guess I'll ask you because this was your pick. So this this is a blind pick, right? You you not seen yeah, this. Okay. mostly blind. Uh, I had Pumpkinhead on the list for a very long time and was just trying to find a way to uh, make it work out. And then um, when Frostbiter came in the mail from the uh, Vinegar Syndrome package, um, I was like, okay, well there we go. We have a very suitable what for an episode to compare. So I need a bad, and I just kind of did a Google of you know cabin bound creature features watch the trailer for this and i was like that looks so terrible that that is a like safe bet that that is going to be our bad and oh boy was it and and i mean like you're right in that I, i mean i even texted you and i was like this reminds me of the stuff that we shot at central like it it does it has that digital like that gross digital not color graded yes to it um that we were using like final cut seven that we pirated off a site um (laughs) don't arrest us now i pay for adobe premiere now so it's 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 it's, it's, is what it is but (laughs) anyway and 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 the it's it's a blatant homage slash ripoff to evil dead which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's got the amateurish quality to it where it's trying to play it like it's tongue in cheek, but it's just not like tongues out. Like it's very clear what you're trying to do. And when you're knocking off a movie and you're doing that movie at a considerably worse level, the only thing that's going to make me want to do is compare your movie unfavorably to the other movie that you're knocking off. Cause you're not doing something separate enough or different enough that I can be like, well, okay, I can see where the inspiration's coming from. It's like, well, no, like, they built a little cabin set that looks exactly like the cabin or like exactly minus, you know, some dollars. Like it's kind of a cheap made little cabin set that's um, supposed to look like the cabin from Evil Dead. And then there's strangely enough a poster for Evil Dead, the PlayStation game that's inside of the cabin, um, which in itself is kind of an homage because in the cabin in the first evil dead they had a poster to the hills have eyes um so it, it's sort of like a ha see what we were inspired by but it's like well yeah we could tell what you were inspired by this entire time but the it, it's just a, a gang of empty shell characters none of which are likable cool. who are thrust into a situation very much like the evil dead where it, it's like a deadite esque thing where the characters die and then become an evil uh, uh, sort of trickster entity that uh, attacks our main uh, like final girl, and then there's just some unicorn 
monster that shows up every so often, um, which is one of two major effects in the movie is the the unicorn, which is kind of like a it looks like one of those for a while on viral videos on the Internet. People would wear like the rubber horse masks. It's one of those. And they put like LED lights in the eyes and kind of did like a little bit of paint job to make it black and then it's a person in a wife beater with uh wings on like angel wings on with the Mm -hmm. the unicorn head on and that's that whole effect and sometimes it has fog that comes out of its nose um and then the other one we'll talk about later when we actually get into the meat of sort of what happens in the movie but that's what i'm talking about where it's like there needs to be love and talent and uh care and consideration put into it and this one, obviously, like these filmmakers, they wanted to make the movie, but it seems more like they wanted to do it to have fun than it was like they have a vision and they have a passion. And this is a story that they wanted to te- like they wanted to have fun shooting a thing and making a couple of creature effects. And then that just happened to be encapsulated by a movie. And that just makes it suck. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you hit the nail on the head pretty much all the way around. I really that sort of sense that they probably had a good time making this is like the only thing keeping this from like the worst movie we've watched on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to overthrow Karate Christmas Miracle because, as we no. said way back on that episode, that movie is probably a scam. Um, that's a, that's a crime. That a crime against humanity. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, a crime against humanity. Um, and this one is not. It's just another bad, like Evil Dead knockoff. And it's like clear that no. they had fun making it, but like you said, it's got the cheap digital look. Which, like, if you go back to watch our shorts. They hundred percent have that look. Like we're yeah. we're we're knocking this movie, but like we've been there. Like we we get it. Like it's it is what it is. Um, and I guess I would say to get like a small positive out of the way is the gore is pretty well done. It's not well like shot or blocked or anything like that, but like it's all practical uh, for the most part. Yeah. And and like they they clearly had their love there. But I think the movie just. It, it, it tries to do too much. It tries to be tongue-in-cheek, like you said. It it uh, One of the introductory... Not the cold open of the movie, but I, I like noticed very quickly that there's, like, a band practice, uh, you know, which is, like, the sort of catalyst of the movie where, like, the lead singer gets booted from her band and that sort of, like, sets off this whole thing. But, like, mm. there's these little, like, uh, sound waves coming from, like, her when she sings that are, like, digitally inserted. Yep. Like, it's trying to be almost like Scott Pilgrim versus the world is, like, the, the thing. Well, there was even, of... like, the, the the scene transitions that were, like, a cartoon hand doing the devil horns and stuff. Yes. That reminded me a lot, like, Scott Pilgrim or, or something of that ilk where it's like, we're cool and zany. And it's like... Well, even the songs try to have that sort of, like... Um, like uh like uh the uh was it like vibrato the way that like they almost sound like tenacious d like they were trying to knock out like tenacious d to be like comedic but it's mm-hmm. like no 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 sorry you're not jack black i'm sorry and like it wasn't funny so that didn't help <laughs> yeah exactly so it's just it's this weird like hodge podge of things happening and then it's just oh, man i i i have to because hopefully we'll keep this like really brief as we discussed but i have to say the other thing too it's like 
they don't even know how to like integrate the things that like they expect of horror movies for example mm-hmm. like of course they're they're thinking like we gotta have some nudity to sell the movie um I usually am not uncomfortable with sex or nudity. Like I've watched plenty of like softcore and hardcore movies that like Vinegar Syndrome or whoever has released. Oh, sure, but yeah. but uh, I had decided because I'm like, well, this movie's super short, so I watched more than half of it on the treadmill at <laughs> at my gym, and and it was like Saturday morning, so it wasn't like a lot of people like there's a row of like eight treadmills right and so it's me and some other guy about three treadmills away and so i'm like cool this is fine right as there's like an awkward not only an awkward sex scene where the sort of like demon is introduced into the movie but like they keep lingering on this woman's boobs like they they, like we have the topless woman they keep lingering on it like right as the scene was happening some karen came and used the treadmill right next to me when there was clearly a treadmill on the other side of the gym that had at least a treadmill in between the other guy that was there it was huh. like that was her treadmill. She had to use it. And so it's like I'm sitting here like I'm I'm running. I'm running. And I'm like I keep like I'm like watching my phone. But I'm like eyeing the lady next to me. I'm like I really hope you're not like looking at what just, I'm watching. Like, <laughs> just lean over and kind of try and run at an angle to yeah. cover it up. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not a pervert. I promise. But... You should have thrown on erotic nightmare. And the, the established <laughs> dominance. <laughs> It's because that'd be so much better. Um, <laughs> at least it'd be. At least I'd be watching a good movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but uh, man, it, it was just so like I had even a hard time trying to even get on whatever wavelength this movie was getting on because I'm just yeah, like, yeah. great, cool. This woman is running on the treadmill next to me while I'm watching this clearly like lingering on well stop not even it it wasn't even that but it's like it's it's sleazy the way the movie's going about it because it's it's lingering it's just lingering 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 and then that woman ultimately ends up getting possessed by this demon and so she gets in a fight with the lead singer uh gal and but she's still topless while she's doing it so i'm just like it's just it goes on for it probably is shorter than this but it feels like it's like 10 minutes of this feels, 80 minute movie yeah. it feels like it takes a very long time and i'm just like i was just like come on like I, I i get it i'm like i know you think you need this to sell your movie but like in this movie i don't know the production company but i i thought it was a wild eye releasing movie because they're pretty famous for like high concept schlocky fun schlocky ideas mm-hmm can get a good like poster slash dvd art the poster for this is great that's what that's what i'm saying the poster for the movie looks great it is not indicative of the movie that you watch it's it's they if anything is a scam i don't think the movie itself is a scam because i think they did have fun making the movie but i do think the poster art is a scam because it's it's selling you on like a throwback vibe and immediately you're like this was shot on a canon 5d like (laughs) like and it's not and not well. I and mean, not like, well. No. Like, like Black Swan was shot on a Canon 5D. Black Swan does not look like this. Yeah. Or, or even 
Dude, there's many DV movies that look like Inland Empire or Spike Lee's sure, Bamboozled yeah. look better than this movie does. Like, you know, it's just it's all it's, it's all about how you grating. use the equipment, right? And so, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating. But I thought it was a wild eye movie, but it's it's not. But it's that similar idea where it's like they have great poster art. And yes, they deliver on the requisite gore and the nudity that you would expect on these movies. So they're like, we have kind of what we're advertising on the box. And so now we can sell it. But it's like, sure. it's super cheap. It's super digital. It's super just nothing. Like, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'd i be remiss. I know I've talked too long, but I'd be remiss to just mention, because I know you really wanted to do this episode of course, like I wanted to do this episode as well, but I think initially, correct me if I'm wrong, when you were planning this episode, you had texted me because you were thinking potentially of having things as the bad before stumbling upon this bit. Which, like, yes. not going to argue because it's objectively not a good movie, but it's a movie we love. Like, it yes. would, like, it's 100% a movie that we love. This movie, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> makes that movie look like the thing like <laughs> oh no <laughs> and i will stand by that <laughs> i will stand by that <laughs> that you will not take things... that statement from me i will stand by that full heartedly i'm not even going to argue it i mean like things is things is an anomaly because uh, what i was talking about earlier where like if you don't have money but you have you have talent and you have uh, means and you have passion and gumption, then that that shines through in the movie and it makes your low-budget movie enjoyable. I can't even say that Things has any of that, but... Oh, I'd, like, I'd say Things has gumption and ambition. It has gumption. Yeah, 100%. Ambition. I wouldn't say talent. <laughs> no. Uh, we love you. We love you, Barry, but no. We're oh, not... <laughs> Barry, please come on the podcast. We would love to interview you. But it's very, it's very clearly... I mean, talking about Stan Winston making mistakes as an amateur director. Things is they're all involved in that production, all of them amateurs, but all they have is a camera and a dream. <laughs> and because of that, you can make magic. And with this movie, you know, maybe it was just some people fucking around just trying to have fun, but there's, it doesn't come across as a group of friends with a camera and a dream, and especially when you're talking about the really weird, awkward nudity, where if I was just hanging out with a group of my friends, I wouldn't try and pick out which one of my friends is going to be showing their tits off for a very long period of time. That comes across as a skeevy selling point for a movie. So there was at least a marketing mind that was involved in the production of this movie. So it, it it's not coming from a pure place. And I mean, like... Neither was things. They had that nude girl at the very beginning of that movie who was so embarrassed that she had to wear a ma uh, mask. Um, Alleg to, to get allegedly, the scene. allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> but the uh, it, the movie itself doesn't have much of a plot outside of people go to cabin, things go awry. The, 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 that's it like the, there's really no through line a lot of the shit that they set up doesn't make a whole lot of sense um a lot of the effects that are done in it are really pretty terrible um the and it tries to come off as having a um 
like a nightmare quality to it. Like the, the editing is nonlinear in some spots and uh, they're trying to do like an evil dead two where Ash is kind of losing his mind a little bit, but it's all so ham fisted and haphazard that none of it is, you can't really follow it. None of it is satisfying. And again, like I said, you don't like any of these characters. So you're not particularly invested when anything happens to anybody. You're more or less just like, God, this movie's still happening. Can we get to it? Um, and I've seen it twice now, and I still couldn't give you like a uh, like a decent overarching like summarization of the story. It's because it's numbing. That's the thing. It's like it's it's yeah. numbing, and it's in its nonsense, and it's nonsense in a way that is not entertaining, right? Like because like you know to go back to the comparison i mean i'm sure we will talk about things at a later date but like oh yeah. things is also nonsense but you're just like but this you're like but you're you're in your brain you're trying to put together what the thought process was making yeah. that movie and you could parse out you're trying to reverse engineer logic yes and and you can't but you could also no. even within that reverse engineering the logic you could sense the passion behind it and also as we've talked about like we talked about wicked world on a previous episode where like you know barry j gillis and andrew jordan are at least self-aware enough to be like we did everything wrong with this movie and they've Mm. like tried to improve in their subsequent movies and it's like that's growth it's like yes they've capitalized on the success of things but like they've actually why wouldn't you right but like they've gone on to grow and it's like this this is one of those movies that's just that like this VOD like wasteland type of movie that like maybe once upon a time you like stumbled across on iTunes or, or whatever, or, you know, again, it's got a dope poster. So I understand if you were like late at night, sort of three sheets to the wind and you were scrolling through prime oh, video, this duped somebody. Yeah. For sure. Oh, hundred percent. It probably would have duped me had I not known, or you picked this on an episode, but if I would have random, the algorithm pointed this out, I would have been like, Whoa, cool. Like, this is a cool like throwback but like yeah watch out for that cool po- like it, it if anything there's like a sm- i don't i won't put this on the movie but there's at least a small tiny incy wincy twinge of nostalgia with something like this for like the vhs era where like you know somebody like canon or even like vestron or whoever would go to like the Cannes Film Festival and they like pre-sell the movie to foreign markets based on what the poster looked like. And yep. so it's like you got this beautifully illustrated poster, especially a lot of those like sword and sorcery movies, like mm-hmm. where Deathstalker has this amazing poster and then you watch the movie. The movie sucks. <laughs> the movie sucks. <laughs> And this is sort of hearkening back to that, but unfortunately, sure. like, you know, um, I know we've, uh, we've, you know, not shied away that we, we are fans of, of the YouTube channel, Red Letter Media. I think it was on one of their most recent Best of the Worst where they talked about a bunch of different, like, newer movies. Um, and I think it was Jay Bowman who said, like, back in the day, like, even a movie like Deathstalker or whatever, like you had to know how to use that editing equipment because you were editing on film strips and now you could get like Da Vinci Resolve for free. And right. that has resulted in movies like Tarnation, like AK Creature yeah. Cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. Both like 
the the accessibility to make a movie is wider than it has ever been, which is a mm. good thing and a bad thing at the same right. time. <laughs> yeah, just widen the spectrum to yeah. where things could be pretty great or you, you yeah. can discover uh new artists who never would have had a, a foot in the door to make anything uh yep you could be now like do something on it they can make tangerine you know i was um, literally just going to say you could be sean baker with tangerine i'm not yeah. mad you said it but yes 100 percent. that was you could be you could shoot on your iphone and get a movie right. out there for a lot of acclaim or you could make tarnation or uh, you can make tarnation <laughs> and and but like the difference between something like like tangerine or tarnation is sitting out to make tarnation they didn't have any of the ambitious thoughts uh that that went into making something like tangerine they, no. this was this was either something to to uh, shoot over a weekend and have fun or it was made to you know be the cheapest movie ever made and try and make some money back um or it was just made to to make me upset and either way i think they uh, accomplished what they set out to do is it our option d is there all of the above i'm gonna just select yeah yeah i'll select d they they've done all three here um would not recommend hard hard do not recommend not even as um, a curiosity i mean as you could tell that our conversation of this movie was tangents to other movies and the yeah. VH, like like we barely talked about the movie there's itself. no substance to talk about there's there's nothing it's 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 really a nothing burger of a movie like it's like don't watch it don't fall for it like um yeah just don't don't do it just don't i guess the only um, bright side is that i think it's funny because the the poster art when you go to imdb looks great as we've sort of said ad nauseum but the like the poster art on prime video which i'm assuming is how you watch this movie because i did as well yep. it looks like sh- like it looks more it looks like, like dog shit. it looks more like what the movie actually is which i actually kind of appreciate the honesty yes but but it is really funny to me where i'm like oh wow why wouldn't you use like the good poster art you'd probably get more clicks that way uh tubi is trying to warn people yeah exactly (laughs) don't watch this (laughs) when tubi has standards that's what you know when tubi is calling you out you've you fucked up (laughs) oh boy well Let's talk. If we want to get on to start talking to something that is actually interesting or intriguing, intriguing and has some gumption, as we discussed, uh, let's get into uh, Frostbiter. It was nearly a hundred years ago. I was but a lone trapper then and would spend my winters on Manitou Island, where small game were plentiful. I'd heard the legend of the Wendigo, but a man's ignorance of things unseen is never questioned. Legend became life when I came face to face with the monstrous snow beast. Which is, what's the subtitle? Way of the Windigo? Wrath of the Windigo. Wrath of the Windigo. Okay, I couldn't remember. I knew it was something Windigo. Way of the Windigo, Wrath of the Windigo, uh, Fist of the Windigo. But, I mean, the original title of the movie was just Windigo. And then I guess when it was picked up by Troma, they changed it to Frostbiter, Wrath of the Windigo interesting lloyd kaufman and <laughs> michael I, I Hertz, they know what they're but doing on the, I guess. On the vinegar syndrome blu-ray it, it the title card is just windigo so. you're right it is it is so it's it's weird um but yeah i guess that maybe that's a place to start it, it is a trauma movie even though it's not one that lloyd kaufman made himself but it's no. it's definitely 
got that spirit, I would say. Uh, well, I think it was just distributed by Troma. It like, was. It's because it, it, it doesn't have any of the hallmarks of like Toxic Avenger or uh, was it Night of the Chicken Dead? Um, oh yeah, Pol- Poltergeist. Poltergeist. <laughs> it's it's got it, yeah. You're right. It's it's got it's it's only sort of related in that yes, it's distributed and the movies they tend to pick up are a little heightened they're not as bonkers or as like transgressive oh, no. as like when lloyd kaufman or michael hertz were behind the camera but like they definitely have that sort of like renegade spirit uh to them which i i feel like especially like in this interest opening scene with the the like hunters and like how sort of like over the top they are like right from the get-go you're like okay i see where trauma <laughs> i see where this fit there model i see where they picked this movie up for distribution i get it it's like uh the hunters are like if uh fucking what are the would-be bullies from the mighty Morphin power rangers oh jesus but like uh, that's deep cut i know but like it reminded me of if they grew up and were like hunting in the like they, they, they had that attitude i don't i don't know why that was where my brain made the connection but that's ultimately where it went <laughs> Well, and I wanted to say the, as far as as movies go, this is also another uh, blatant um, Evil Dead homage slash ripoff. Oh yeah, um, they have an Evil Dead two poster hanging in in this one, which is better than the Evil Dead PlayStation game because that game sucked huge dick. But the the movie itself, these guys shot it. They had a budget of sixty thousand dollars, and they shot over the course of five years to get it to come together. So it's very much a, um, Oh, uh, it's a winter beast situation. Winter beast. I Thank knew, you. I uh, knew that's where you were going because I was going to bring up winter beast. Cause this is a movie that heavy, heavy. Win- I think it's, it's weird. Cause I think it's objectively a better made movie than winter beast is. Oh yes. I don't know if I think it's as fun as winter beast, but I definitely think it's, it's definitely a better movie, but it has sure. the same vibe of like shot over multiple years, hung up in a cabin, regional horror, which mind you shot in Michigan, much like the original mm-hmm. evil dead. Uh, yep. So there's, it's got that going for it, uh, which is nice. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and it's got stop motion uh, creatures yes. or a, a stop motion oh. creature. So this movie's got it all. It, it's it's got uh, practical makeup effects. It's got adorable miniatures. It's got uh, matte paintings. Uh, the stop matte, motion. Paintings matte paintings are so. Whenever they use the matte painting as an establishing shot, I was just like, oh, like I, I like an audible <laughs> like like warm response to it. I was like, that's that's awesome. <laughs> and it's shot on sixteen millimeter. So yeah. like it, it this direct comparison to. Um, I already forgot the other Winter Beast. talked about. We, no, not even Winter Beast. The one that we just talked about on this episode. Oh, Tarnation. <laughs> Tarnation. Thank you. <laughs> that movie is so forgettable. I just finished talking about it, and then my brain deleted it. Like, oh, there we go. I'll never need that information ever again. Um, no. Tarnation, uh, shot in digital, looks like shit. But, like, it, again, like, the stories for each of them, they don't really make a lot of sense. I think the characters here... Um, you know, arguable whether or not they're likable, but they're at least kind of characters. Like they're given things to do. Um, they're given reasons to emote and 
given reasons to like band together and fight together and they try and protect each other and like that there is things going on here that is a cabin under siege which is is a much more interesting thing to watch than characters kind of aimlessly walking around and then dealing with sporadic enemies as they pop up like there's some stuff going on in this movie as well as like enough of a setup to explain why the things are happening the they're hunters out on uh, uh this island that it's out in lake michigan and uh there was once a, a wendigo that this guy um was able to bound using dark magic by taking the skulls of the wendigo's victims and placing it in a circle on this island and then he lives in a cabin in the middle of this circle and has a watchful eye making sure that the wendigo will never return well just so happens a couple of drunk dudes go out hunting on this island and one of those dudes takes umbrage with all the skulls and thinks that this old guy is a murderer so he decides to murder him back um so he just shoots the old guy and destroys one of the skulls in the circle that ends up releasing the the bad magic um the wendigo kills his friend and that's another thing to note about the movie is it's very much inspired by sam raimi's uh kinetic camera like yes. the, the camera is almost always in motion um when people are getting hit the camera turns into like a uh, it's like a snorry cam on their chest as they go flying backwards across the set. Like they're doing really fun stuff with fun and interesting things with the camera setups and the way that they're blocking and moving their actors around the stage. Um, so it's like, it's not just a ripoff. Like it is a careful homage to the movies that they love. And then that's where you can kind of see the passion coming across uh, from the filmmakers. Is that like, Oh, okay. They obviously very much love evil dead and they're trying to recreate it. Not just get that money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would compare this, you know, we already mentioned winter beast, like, which is obvious from like many comparisons, but like, arguably one of the better evil dead knockoffs we have which we have talked about on this show before is demon wind from 1990 and i would oh, yeah. equate this movie very favorably towards demon wind where it's like they yes it's clear that sam raimi was their inspiration i don't think anyone who knows anything about movies would argue that fact but they put their money in the right spot they put their passion in the right spot like you said the camera's always in motion uh, they like put their money into the creatures. They they know that their actors aren't, you know, the best. But they like, but but everyone has like a personality. Like the movie has a personality, which is more than you could say for something like Tarnation. Like everybody is like kind of interesting. Um, and even within this Evil Dead framework, they like go above and beyond to do creative things with like the creatures and the kills. Like there's a freaking chili creature. Uh, yeah. who's accompanied by a song about Chile um, yeah. to it, which I got to say two things really quickly uh, before I pass it back to you is number one, the the soundtrack in this movie is great. Like there's actually songs mm-hmm. written for the movie that are describing what is happening at any given moment. And it's kind of entertaining, but also one thing I found odd, but I was sort of charmed by it. Like by the end is random inserts of clearly licensed music that would like yeah. would like pop out through the movie like there's like it's somewhere in that chili attack scene where you hear the the opening guitar riff 
to uh, Kiss by Prince. Like you hear that. You can hear. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, wait, how did you get the rights to use a Prince song? Especially when Prince most famously never licensed his music out for media. It wasn't until after he unfortunately passed away and whoever holds his estate. Um, cause I remember, uh, uh, listening to, um, it's now the film cast, but the slash film cast, I've probably mentioned them on the show before. I've been a big fan mm-hmm. of that show and Jeff Kanata, one of the co-hosts of that is a huge Prince fan. And you know, to that, I think it was the second Kingsman movie, Kingsman, the golden circle, where he noted that because the opening action sequence of that movie is underscored to let's go crazy. Um, but like, he's like, well, Prince never licensed his music out. So it's sort of, he's like, it felt like it was, they were tap dancing on his grave because they were now (laughs) able to, they were now able to use his music for whoever was uh, doing it. But, uh, I know it's kind of a sad anecdote there, but, uh, (laughs) but, but yeah, but like, but long story short, knowing that information in my head is like, like in in hearing that in this movie was like, wait, Mm -hmm. how did you get away with that? And also now how does it have a Blu-ray release now? I guess maybe because they could get the rights to use it. So now it has a Blu-ray release. I don't know, but odd. It was odd to say Uh, the least. (laughs) No. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing about the music. I mean, not only are there like weird splashes of licensed music throughout, but like there's just music throughout oh uh, it's which, a wall-to-wall music in the movie <laughs> the entire time to, and and there's portions where it drowns out dialogue which like i'm not going to complain about too much uh that's one of the things that's kind of weird about the movie is that it has um it has like a post tarantino um like we have a long character monologue uh diatribe about something that's really innocuous and doesn't really add to the plot at all kind of thing like there he goes on like a long rant about uh, he tells a joke uh to his buddy when he arrives at the cabin uh just this really really long explanation about uh he accidentally hit a cat with his car and then they tried to take the cat up to this woman's house and the lady was naked and she was sobbing and so then they offered to pay for the cat and they gave her two hundred dollars and then when they left the house uh the cops pulled up and they arrested her and then when they went back and asked why they arrested her they said uh it's illegal to sell pussy um yeah which like the joke doesn't even work in context because they like like it's like a and also i just truncated that scene like tenfold that scene goes on forever it's like of if, them setting up that context 100 percent. like if you want to talk about post tarantino it reminded me and and i mean you know i hate the movie i'm about to say so it, it, it played better for me it reminds me of the the joke in the boondock saints where it ends with yeah like, i thought you were gonna say yeah the, the you know what i'm talking about the joke where it's like well i'll have a coke I, I'm just going to yeah. say the punchline. I'm not going to repeat because it's horrible and racist. Everything that is said yeah. up until that point, but it reminded me a lot of that sort of joke of at least in the long windedness it takes to get to it. And it's not done with the sort of finesse that Tarantino can like provide to his movies, but here it's charming compared to Boondock right. Saints where you're just like, well, Troy Duffy, you're just a fucking asshole versus this movie. I'm like, this is cute. Like, <laughs> It's, it's kind of cute well, that you're going for Especially in that it. scene, one of the dudes, in, in the Boondock Saints, one of the dudes uh, who's being a particular racist is uh, uh, 
known and outed scumbag Ron Jeremy. So right. Uh, it, it's just a cavalcade of, of, of terrible, awful things. It's a lot of things um, that were problematic then and are probably even more problematic now. <laughs> so, exactly. I, I, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. But but long story short, you're right. It's got that sort of thing where you're like, oh, we got to have like a, a quirky dialogue like sequence to it. And and because uh, this was 95, right? So it's a year after yeah. Pulp Fiction. So Reservoir yeah, Dogs, Pulp three Fiction. Three years after Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. It'd be was three... Reservoir Dogs 92? Uh, yeah, 92, Pulp Fiction 94, uh, mm. I mean, even if you want to go screenplay, why is True Romance was 93, so we're, we're well in the swing of yeah. the, the Tarantino era at this point, so. Yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the quippy, the quippy cast. Yes. Um, yeah, which, I mean, again, Tarantino does it very, very well, and it just sucks when you see somebody try and do it, and they're not as adept of a writer as Tarantino is. Because it kind of falls short, but even in this, it's not—it's not to the Boondock Saints level, like you said. No, like, it's a bit of like these guys—they need to fill time to make their movie stretch to a point to where they can sell the movie as a feature. So then they're gonna have long scenes of these characters hashing this shit out, but like none of it is mean spirited. None of it is like really offensive or, or like way too far gone. Even the also, one moment where it could have been mean spirited, like they subvert it, and that's actually kind of clever and progressive in in the way they do it. Um, I totally stepped over you. I really apologize no, no, go. there, but like there's the sequence where because like, there there um, there was like the two hunters at the beginning were introduced, but then it's like a hunting party who like this is what they go do, and one of their members brings oh, one of right. their friends who they didn't know was going to be there and uh and he's black and so they he assumes automatically that like they're being sort of given him the cult shoulder because of his race and so he's like i know when i'm not wanted but in reality then it's like uh it kind of flips on them they're like hey man like like no it's cool like we just didn't know that he was bringing anybody at all um, right, and then and the, then, this has been our thing for like five years, and yeah. we weren't prepared for somebody else to to be here to mix it up, and then and like, then they're entirely cordial. They play poker, and up the and next t- scene, yeah, is when they're telling that joke. They're like, they're, they're telling jokes, and they're completely cordial, and they're all um, totally cool until like shit starts to hit the fan well, yeah yeah i mean obviously we're like the <laughs> until shit's not cool until yeah. woman woman comes in uh who's like you know take like is like i'm freezing and i was in an accident and she like pulls her takes her blanket off and she's topless but uh yep. but somehow done much more tastefully than something like tarnation because it's like it doesn't linger on it and it also serves a purpose because one of them is looking at like their version within the movie of playboy magazine yeah and it sort of happens like the centerfolds on the floor and one of them looks and clearly sees that the woman is the woman in the playboy magazine From the centerfold of the magazine <laughs> yes yeah. and realize oh shit this is a trap of some kind even though they don't not right. even really aware of what's about to happen and then shit goes off <laughs> Well, and so, like, we, we get introduced to this group of friends who were just there to play poker and hang out and do a hunting trip. And yeah. one, the, 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 the gang earlier, the, the, the two guys who got drunk and were out hunting and, and accidentally released the Wendigo, um, the, the one dude uh, in their group who survives stumbles across the cabin. And uh, he is the one to sort of, like, 
there's like a creature out there and, and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, of course they don't believe him, um, which is, you know, just fine for the purposes of the story here uh, because then shit ends up going sideways and then they end up believing really, really quick, which is when we get to the chili scene because the guy's mixing the chili being like, yeah, bullshit. And then the chili monster comes out of the pot as he's mixing it and bites his hand off. Um, and the movie is loosely strung together sort of vignettes like this or, or, or sequences of monster attack, monster attack, monster attack. Somebody goes out into the woods to find something. They come back. Maybe they don't come back. And it, it's all so frenetic from scene to scene to scene to scene that it really doesn't like lose or didn't lose my attention. I was very no. much invested. Like there's not a whole lot there in terms of the story or the characters or their growth or their arc. It's all kind of nonsensical. Um, but it's, it's just, it's that fun frenetic energy of an evil dead too, but without the deft hand of Sam Raimi or a solid storyline to, to kind of connect all that tissue together. Right. It's just the icing. Yes, well, I mean, fortunately, the movie doesn't waste a lot of time. That's the other thing about mm-hmm. the movie. It's it's only eighty three minutes long, and the thing is, the 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 joke that we talked about, the like the the pussy joke, is like that's the extent of the movie's filler. So even the movie's filler mm-hmm. is somewhat entertaining because it's odd and sort of like um, it's it's a, it's striving for higher than it could probably achieve, but that's also mm-hmm. part of the charm. And so it's like there's really no filler in this movie. It's like it's really like much like Evil Dead 2. Like it's pretty much off to the races from the start. And the movie oh, doesn't stop until the credits roll. And so like if you're going to do it, like, you know, I'm not going to fault a low budget filmmaker for wanting to ape Sam Raimi. It's like, well, yeah, if you're going to do it, like that's the guy who you want to yeah, sort of the low model budget after. King. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't fault the movie at all. And the fact that it like even achieves let's say generously 50 percent of it is sort of cause for celebration uh just because sure. like like you've said to, to sort of tie it back into the thesis of this episode it's like you've seen we've seen so many movies like this that just fail because it's like they they, they want to make a, a a movie they want to make a horror movie and it's like whether it's for cynical reasons or money-making reasons, which I guess ties into cynical reasons, or just like they don't have the means to do it. Uh, like clearly, these filmmakers had a, a vision of what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and they knew they wanted to do it. And um, like you said, they shot it over the course of five years, which is imp- honestly, I would not have known that had I known that. If that makes sense, no. like like Winter Beast, you can tell because people are yeah. wearing different wigs, getting haircuts, yeah, getting haircuts, <laughs> and they have to wear wigs, and then like like fake mustaches, fake mustaches, a whole climax without audio, you know. Um, yeah. But this this movie, credit where credits due, would not have known that had I not been privy to that information, which no is impressive. Well, and. Also, we'd be remiss to not call out that for a movie with such a low budget and shot over such a long time, the effects work in this so good is phenomenal. So good for, for such a low budget movie. Yeah, like, it's they have so many different little set pieces of the little chili monsters, which is like little puppets chase them around. We have the the witch 
that attacks them, who, who's that uh, naked Playboy model who ends up like transforming into a witch and attacking them. Um, there's a giant bird creature that attacks the the plane miniature that's flying through the, the plane the miniature is great. Storm and fucking decapitates the, the pilot. <laughs> That's such a good. This is shooting blood in her face, and they're playing like stock rock music as it's going down. It's great. It's so good. It's so fun. I, I, this, and this was, uh, you know, we we've said on the show before. We're both, at least for this year, both uh, Vinegar Syndrome subscribers. This was in the January package. It was like, yeah, this is going to be a great year. If this is what yeah, you're selling me, like, we're starting so strong here. It's it's fun, and um. I would recommend, honestly, blindly, if you have the means to do it, buy the Blu-ray, 100%. It's also stacked with bonus features. But if you are maybe trepidatious, it's a standard def version, probably from... Because Troma used to self-distribute their own movies, so probably Mm -hmm. left over from that. But you can rent it on Amazon Prime, I think, for $5.99. So if you want to test the waters, do that, but... I'd say if you have the means, go whole hog, buy that Blu-ray. It's so worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Especially like if you love these these tiny uh indie little gems like this. That it stuff that's just not gonna not gonna get made anymore. Like you're not yeah. gonna find little sixteen millimeter movies like this anymore. No. Um, not unless great. it's like uh like a like a purpose. Like it's it's almost like it would have to be like whenever you do get a sixteen millimeter movie, it's like a24 made it and it was like a deliberate like creative choice i'm yeah, trying to think to be for like the time period yeah or something. i'm trying to think the last major studio movie that was shot in 16 millimeter and the only one that's coming to mind and i'm sure there's been one since then but because we've talked about it so much on the show and we dedicated a whole episode to it to the series i think rob zombies halloween 2 is the last movie i could think of like a major, major motion picture that played in a wide yeah. release that was shot in 16 millimeter. I'm sure others did, but I, I just, that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah. I'm, well, now I'm looking at the, uh, the Wikipedia page for films shot on 16 millimeter. Um, well, if you got it in the time that we still are on the mic here, then let, let me know. But that was the only one I could think of. And, and, um, even then, I could tell. Like, it, it's 16 blown up to 35, but there's such a grain to that second mm. Rob Zombie Halloween movie that you're like, yeah, I could I could tell. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that is probably, I mean, as far as I can tell here, that's probably the most recent one that was shot. Uh, if it wasn't, please email us at the, the good bad what at gmail.com uh, and let us know uh, what it was. Please do. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's super charming, and it's great. And you just yeah, you don't see that this much anymore. Because unfortunately, when you do see something like this, it's like a tarnation situation. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't really see, um, I don't know. You just don't really see like big like movies that play in wide release go this buck wild. I mean, not that this was a wide release movie in its time. It wasn't, but like. No, no. Um, but you know, you just you just don't see it as much. Um, though no. I guess, I mean, in all fairness, you know, we are getting some pretty gory mainstream movies with like uh, Evil Dead Rise, of course, which is the whole sort mm-hmm. of like phrase of this episode. Which again, Patreon.com/slash/TheGoodBadWhat. I'm going to tease it one more time, but uh, <laughs> uh, go check check out our thoughts there. Or like Terrifier Two, 
Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> movie is gory as fuck. But, like, I love that movie. I do too. I really do. I've actually gone back and, like, I've fallen asleep to it. I don't know what that says about me, but, like, it's one of those movies where I'll It's a very like, relaxing film. So relaxing. Calms, calms me down so much. <laughs> but, yeah. We'll have to fit that into an episode because when I think when. Because oh, I think when I talked about it on our, like, horror catch up, you hadn't seen it yet. So I, I'd love to fit it no, in an episode. No. Uh yeah, and now I I own it. I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it released. Um, good man. <laughs> I I have it on the list, but I have no other movies to compare it to because it's it's its own. Because it's a league of its own. Because it's yeah. so yeah, dude. I like it's rare these days in the sort of like uh churning, uh like movies that I'm like I want to see the sequel to that, but like. I'm actually genuinely excited and curious for what they'll come up with with the third Terrifier. Because you know they're going to make it. Like this. Oh, it's Terrifier, already in production. It, or pre-production. It was so successful. Like, there's no way they're not going to make a third oh, yeah. one. So, I, I'm yeah. curious. They're definitely already making it. I'm hoping that... Uh, is it is it Damien Leon? Damien Leon, um, yeah. I'm hoping that he hires an editor. Um, that's the, the only thing I would say that's my gripe about Terrifier 2, is that... Uh, it didn't need to be nearly as long as it was. I kind of appreciate that it was as long as it was. It didn't need to be. I would agree it didn't need to be. Maybe he can find a happy medium. Because that first one's like yeah. 80 minutes long. <laughs> it's like yeah. super short. And then this one's like 140 minutes long. So I'm like, yeah. can you make like a 105 minute terrifier three like that'd be great like it's not lawrence of arabia we didn't need every single frame of that thing in order to get the point across i mean i enjoyed it it was very indulgent it was a fun uh, thrill ride for what it was i would disagree i I think we needed every frame of it to be honest to get the point across but uh, i might be wrong in this one i'll I'll watch it again as we're dog-legging this into a discussion about terrifier two do you have any (laughs) other thoughts on these three movies before we wrap this episode up no, th- this was a fun revisit. Like I, I had seen Frostbiter before, so then it was good to go back and see that. I, I went and watched um, the Coolidge Corner uh, here in Boston had uh, uh, Pumpkinhead in thirty five millimeter. Awesome that I got to go see. So that was it was so fucking cool. The 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 print was a little bit beat up, but that kind of made it a little bit. That's the uh, charm, uh, man. Like I, yeah, I yeah. love that. Like uh, not to speak over you again. I'm sorry. I feel like I've done that. It, that's always my favorite thing when when someone says they're playing the movie in 35 like um i remember a couple of years ago when i was traveling more uh more often to san francisco i would go to the alamo draft house new mission a lot and i would go to the terror tuesday or weird wednesday mm-hmm. kind of regardless of what they were playing and I went once for Weird Wednesday because they were playing Wild at Heart on 35 millimeter, and it was the X-rated yeah. cut. Um, which, when you saw it, did you see it in 35? Yes. Okay, so you probably actually probably saw the same print that I did. I probably it pretty beat up, like to be honest. Yeah. But that was also part of the charm of the experience. Like, I I was like I don't regret this because it's a movie I'd seen a million times on dvd so it was like mm-hmm. I, I like seeing it on a beat up 35 was like this feels right this feels like the way it was meant to so that's awesome that you got to see pumpkin out on 35 millimeter and honestly it being a beat up print part of the charm 
So it added to like a, a little bit of the feel of like the era and, and what they were doing there. And, and so it was, it was great to revisit that movie. Um, it sucked watching uh, Tarnation. So I'll probably never watch that again. Uh, Why would you? <laughs> I, I, what we talk about on this show about it's hard to make movies and celebrating movies of all stripes, as long as they have that heart, that yes. as long as you can see, the vision see where it's coming from even if it crashes and burns sometimes a, 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 a crash can be beautiful if you're looking for the right things and so that i think that's a fun thing to celebrate here where even we were saying like you know pumpkin head has its fault it's not you know it's not an instant classic by any means but if you look through some of the murkiness, there's a lot to love there. And I, I, I feel it's nice to have uh, an episode here where we can kind of celebrate down in the dregs where, where we're not like very clear, of course, a universally beloved movie is going to be the good. It's, it's one that's a little bit tarnished, but I think to me that adds just a little bit, of, a little bit of charm, a little bit of a chip on the, the old block. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. I think it's a good spot to wrap this episode up. Um, this was fun. Thank you for that. I was yeah. happy to rewatch Pumpkinhead because I, um, you know, because there really is a lot of good. Like, like I said, I, I know mm. we had. It's not a perfect movie, like you said, and I know we had things to say about it that were, you know, not as kind. But like, it's still a really good movie, and it's a movie worth seeing. And and I was, I was very happy to rewatch it because I was able to sort of like really appreciate the things that were good about it, uh, even a second well, time. Good. So I'm glad you picked it. So. For sure. Um, but as we start to wind this episode down, I guess we got to tease our next sort of picks. So you're listening to this on Friday, May 12th, Friday, May 19th or 18th, 19th, May 19th, 19th um, would be our next Patreon episode. And on Friday, May 19th sees the release of Fast X. So it's all about family. Uh <laughs> And Chris and I are going to do a deep dive into the entire Fast and Furious franchise. Um, unfortunately, we will have not seen Fast X at that point. That will probably come at a later date. But we will be talking about 1 through 9, uh, with the exception of Hobbs and Shaw, because that doesn't exist. I don't know what movie you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but we will be talking about the entire Fast and Furious uh, series. Look forward to that. And then on Friday, May 26th... I don't know. Sorry, I don't like what. What are these dates? Um, it I would, think I wrote it down. May twenty sixth, I believe, okay. um, would be the next main feed episode, which would be my picks, uh, yes. which we're going to dive into. Uh, I wrote it as excessive indulgent crime satires. Um, so we're going to be looking at three movies that are very satirical. Um, movies that have sort of an exhaustive visual, visual style. Uh, all of them are done by auteur filmmakers. So I guess, I, you know, it, guess you could take your guesses, I guess, leading up to it. But uh, yeah, all of them are done by auteur filmmakers. And um, so, yeah, we'll be getting into that. And I look forward to it. But I look forward to that too. It's yeah, going to be a, it's going to be a weird episode. It's going to be a weird episode. And even I, I no real spoilers but i'll say even our bad movie is not that bad it's just no movie lives in a vacuum so comparatively it is the bad but I and think, it might be a contentious bad with some of our audience i'm assuming i bet it will but the movie is also a polarized <laughs> movie is also a polarizing movie it too. Is. people love it or they hate it so um 
I think maybe we could even bring some nuance to that discussion, but uh, sure. we'll get there when we get there. In the meantime, though, you can find and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can subscribe to us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash thegoodbadwhat. It's only a dollar, and you get an episode every other week. Where are you going to find that kind of deal? So go ahead and smash that button. You can follow us on Instagram and Hive at thegoodbadwhat, or you can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio on SoundCloud you can find the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. Pretty much the same boat. You can find me on Letterboxd <laughs> at Ryan <laughs> underscore Oliver. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a Patreon exclusive of the Fast and Furious franchise, and we'll be back May 26th with a main feed episode on indulgent, exhaustive crime satires.